This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk Active IQ with TME Brett Albertson and special guest Kim Weller. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm in the studio here and I have some special guests as well as um, co-hosts, I guess, or guest co-hosts <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. We'll, we'll know what to call them yet. But um, first, let's start with our guest co-host, uh, Dan Isaacs. Hi. Hello, Justin. Good to be here again. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing uh, quite well. So, um, my understanding is you drove all the way in here for this. Why? Well, not just for this. I had, I had also uh, absentmindedly wore my uh, cordless headset home on Friday, so I needed to come back into the office to plug that in so it would be charged for all my meetings tomorrow. Mm, very important. Yeah. Nerd. All right. Um, also in the studio, Brett Albertson's here. Uh, Brett, if you could tell everybody who you are, what you do here at NetApp, and how to reach you on social media or email, whatever you choose. Sure. I'm Brett Albertson. I'm a technical marketing engineer representing ActiveIQ. You can reach me, uh, Brett A at netapp.com email, at Brett Alb on Twitter. And uh, those are the two main ways I prefer to get contacted. I won't give out my phone number on the podcast. Nice. Are you Canadian? I am not Canadian. Oh, Brett, eh? Why would you ask him if he's Canadian? <laughs> he said Brett, eh? Also with us today on the phone, uh, and my understanding is mobile currently, uh, Kim Weller. Hi. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. It's my first time. Uh, my role at NetApp, which is fairly new, is that I, uh, I work on behalf of the NetApp tech team and the partners to ensure that we have all the tools and services that we need to support our customers effectively when we go to market. And we can find you on uh, Twitter at uh, what, Weller underscore Kim or something? Yeah, yeah, Weller underscore Kim, although I, I'm not out there too much. Or you can reach me at Weller at NetApp.com. Probably the best way. All right. So we're here today to talk about Active IQ, if you couldn't tell from Brett's title and, and role. Um, so to start off with, we want to cover what Active IQ is for those of us who do not know what it is. So Brett, 10,000-foot view, what is Active IQ? So Active IQ is a data-driven service that's powered by analytics, machine learning, and artificial intelligence that provides customer insights and actionable um, intelligence to our customers and it delivers that in a few different ways, which I'll talk about in a second. But ActiveIQ itself is the service. It's not the way it's delivered because it's actually delivered in multiple ways. There's a web portal. There's a mobile app. There's APIs. So I'll get into that probably as we talk today. But data, uh, ActiveIQ itself is the data service that we give um, to our customers via the analytics of the telemetry data that they send in to us. That was very well-organized thoughts. Um, it's almost as if you have them written down in front of you. <laughs> I did not read that. <laughs> Maybe the first four words. All right. It's fine. It's fine. I'll allow it. I'll allow you to be prepared, even though I do not ever prepare. Uh, so, Brett, um, ActiveIQ, you know, why would someone want to use this as a customer, and why would somebody use it as, say, a partner? So as a customer, what it does is the, the main value is it alerts you to things that are happening in your environment, because you're setting us telemetry data, we have written, uh, we have done a lot of analytics on that telemetry data, and so we can do things like, hey, um, you're susceptible to the following risk, or hey, you had this problem happen on your system that um, 
that, that maybe a signature was found that, that you're going to have a problem. Also, you may have situations to deal with capacity or the performance that uh, we can diagnose and we can, we can get, uh, report that back to you so that you can do something about it. So, so one of the many things it does as a customer is to increase your availability because it warns you about problems before you actually have the problem, hopefully. And that's what this has been designed to do. Um, but that's not the only value as a customer. So that's, that's the starting port. Um, the other thing it does is it allows you to look how you compare to other peers in your industry or to companies as a whole. Or uh, it also allows you to do things such as um, say that this workload might be a better fit for um, a different technology or this workload might be a better fit for a different platform. Um, so we have a lot of data services that we provide to the customer because they're sending back telemetry data to us. Um, and I'll stop there for now because I'm maybe later we'll talk about each of the ones I just mentioned in a little more depth. Can we incentivize it at all, like a game, like a Candy Crush? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, that's you, it's funny you bring that up. We 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 have talked about gamifying it a little bit. Um, the only thing we do now, which is kind of interesting, is you can compare yourself to your peers. So I would think if I'm an IT administrator out there, I want to have better storage efficiency than my peers. I want to have better availability than my peers. So there is a way to report on how you're doing versus your peers in the industry. So that's kind of a little way to gamify it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the Prius, right? When people have a Prius, they want to try to keep that gas mileage. And I want the gas kicking in, so they kind of just peter along until the battery kicks in. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm gaming it. It's absolutely true. But yeah, Active IQ is uh, something we could gamify, definitely. Uh, Kim, from a partner and field perspective... Um, how do you see Active IQ benefiting people? Yeah, I would say partners and the NetApp field team, first and foremost, all of the things that Brett just mentioned that are available to customers are also visible to us. And we can certainly use those in dialogue with you to help you understand where you need to take action or to talk about some of the recommendations that you're getting back from Active IQ. We also are putting in capabilities that are meant to help our own internal teams as well as partners. Uh, with their kind of day-to-day jobs. And so an example would be visibility to the install base, which helps us with planning for our customers with when we may want to grow or refresh or do different things um, with their environment to help them with that. I used to be a partner, and the one feature I think that I would have killed for eight years ago when I was a NetApp partner was we have a discovery dashboard. A discovery dashboard for a partner uh, shows all the systems that they are they either support or sold to their customers and the end of support date, the end of life date, um, and a lot of other uh, critical information such as the percent uh, full for capacity, et cetera. And it's meant to be a single, a single place that a partner can go to get a view of their customer's information and to see if they need to do start working on renewals or tech refreshes or capacity uh, expansions and things like that. So I would have killed for that eight years ago. That's a great feature. The thing, me as a former customer, that I would have loved to have had, uh, the workload tagging, being able to organize uh, in, in a single view all these different volumes that you might have your databases spread across, you can you know, combine those into a specific uh, application workload so that you have one view uh, of that entire uh, – one view that is application focused instead of traditionally where things have just been, you know, LUN focused or yep. volume focused, et cetera. And if you deploy via system manager's workload feature, so it, yeah, it does. the system manager can do that. The other thing is even if you don't deploy that way, within Active IQ, you can tag workloads by volume 
within ActiveIQ. So even if you did not deploy it by system manager, you could group those together by application type. And again, you can then look at the storage efficiency by application type, the performance by application type, the risks by application type. You can even compare to your peers like, am I getting as much storage efficiency as my Oracle you know, other people in the industry. So I think, gentlemen, that now might be a great time to give some context for when we're talking about comparing against the install base and what do we look like? You know, what does that really mean? And I know this number changes all the time. The last metric that I heard was about 300,000 active NetApp systems. So Brett, correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's exactly um, right. Equates, <laughs> yeah, and that equates to about 70 billion data points. Uh, is that a, a day or a week? Maybe you could Lightness? That is each day uh, 200 billion data points. And also, we add 100 terabytes of data to our massive data lake every month. Our data lake's in the many, 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 many petabytes. And remember, we've had customers sending us telemetry data for 20 years now. And we not only get it from the AFF and FAS platforms, but we also get telemetry data from SolidFire, HCI, E-Series, uh, Storage Grid, and Cloud Backup. So we get a lot of telemetry data every day. It's a good thing we get storage pretty cheap. It, it is true. It's a good word, storage company. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're, no, we're a data management company, oh, guys. Sorry. Jeez. Sorry. Get it right. So, um, Cam, I'm going to drop some little Charlotte knowledge here for you. So um, I wouldn't say our, our data lake is Lake Norman. It's more of a, <laughs> is it a Lake Superior, you think? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm oh, not you, you, I was just going to say, you're going to say that, aren't you? It's deeper and has more volume of water than Lake Superior. That's right. Is that, is that right? It's true. That is true, yeah. Oh. Wow. Water nerd, too. Man, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Also, so the other little tidbit that I heard someone say, especially when you're using uh, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning to, to look at this data, is that on any given day, more data wins out over the best model. And so for us and for our customers, the fact that we have so much data really allows us to derive some amazing insights. Uh, from the work that we're doing with ActiveIQ for customers. It's true, because a lot of our customers um, pitch how much data they're mining uh, to give insights and community wisdom. And, and I, I wouldn't, you know, they're, they're not incorrect that they have a lot of data, but the amount of systems we have out in the field compared to many of our competitors is just, we have such a larger number of systems and so much more data. So it's really... Uh, uh, allows us to really d do a lot of better machine learning on that data. So that's why we've been able to to add some of the features we've talked about and will talk about today. So it, this data set, is this just uh, auto support data? Or would a, FAS, would a FAS system or an ONTAP array, would that be sending additional inf information over and above uh, just auto support? So that is a great point. It is not just auto support data um, anymore. So there is all the auto support data goes in there. But also if, you know, there are now enhanced auto supports that run um, where you need more performance information, for example, uh, the perf archiver, that information's in there. Also, something I was going to talk about later, but since you gave me such a perfect segue, I'm going to just talk about it right now. Um, so for non-NetApp data collection, we have a data collection tool called OneCollect. Uh, OneCollect can collect data from hosts, and, and hypervisors of all different types and all different types of hosts and all different types of network switches and fabric switches and even some third-party arrays and, and whatever. It delivers that data back into ActiveIQ. That data, too, can be displayed in ActiveIQ. It did, that didn't used to be the case um, if you went back over a year ago. But now you can actually, inside ActiveIQ, if you submit 
one collect collections, you can actually view and do basic analytics on host hypervisors, other storage and network and fabric switches. So that's actually a, a great addition we've added and we're, we're moving more and more that direction. What we're trying to do is make ActiveIQ the one-stop shop for all of your uh, data fabric endpoints, all of them, not just the ones sold by NetApp. So that's the vision for the future. And we're going to use that data to give you uh, value. I can give an example of that right now. If you do a one-collect collection and you collect the host information and the, and the fabric switch information and the fabric, um, the, the fabric HBA information and your storage information and submit that, there's a part of ActiveIQ called Interop Advisor. And it will take our, that collected data and automatically query the IMT for all of, that, that, all of the hosts in your environment and give you a nice report in Excel or PDF where it gives you rows and rows of information and say whether they're supported or not and not found in the IMT. So that's just an example where we're taking non-NetApp data, uh, combining it with other data we have and making a nice uh, value-added thing that customers can use, partners can use, and NetApp people can use. Nice. What, what kind of application? Is that a like a Windows app or? OneCollect runs on uh, Windows, Linux, Mac, and they even sub, uh, even publish a um, a Docker image. Ooh. So so you can actually run OneCollect in any any format, and it's not a it's not a data management tool. It is literally a collector. collector. It, it collects and submits to via um, via the auto support infrastructure ActiveIQ. Gotcha. Was this kind of what Insanity used to be? It's based on what yeah, used to be Insanity. What it sounded like. It's a plug-in architecture, and, and, and we have had people – you can write your own plugins. For example, someone in the field took the initiative and wrote a plug-in uh, uh, for a competitor array, which I won't mention here because I don't want to get their name more out there. But they just wanted to collect data from it. You can collect it, and you could submit it. So, Cool. So does, um, does ActiveIQ tie into System Manager at all, meaning can we – leverage some of the ActiveIQ information in System Manager and System Manager information in ActiveIQ and vice versa? Or? Well, the only way they connect that I'm aware of is the way that System Manager uses tagging and installations. And we are aware of the way things are installed. And then we can take that tagging. And based on that, that will inform your risks, performance, and a few other areas within ActiveIQ. Is there no, is there no way to like maybe uh, use it to kind of figure out you know, machines that are out of date in software or to automatically upload software to system manager, that sort of thing, you know, that, you know, automation through, you know, one, the ActiveIQ a- a- interface. So right now there's automation of reporting. So right now a lot of that information is published. So on ActiveIQ, you have configuration information and that includes visualization. We even do stack diagrams, even with cabling, with the correct cables and the correct ports as reported by your system. You know, we do risks, we do storage efficiency, we do performance, and all of that maps back to what you have. But today, we have not enabled um, any sort of um, automatic we, – we, we know about problems, and we even have automated suggested resolution problems. But today, we have not enabled a system to where we automatically fix those problems. Uh, you know, a lot of customers are very sensitive to that, and they don't want a vendor – automatically making changes to the configuration of their systems. I think that would be a pretty controversial thing to do. We have been thinking and noodling about innocuous ways we can do that or ways that would not be, you know, the least or the best way to implement that in the future. That is something that we've been 
we've been thinking about. So far, that's not been implemented. But the reality is that customers can can choose to receive the information via a, a web dashboard. That we have a mobile app, and the mobile app has about eighty percent of the functionality of the web dashboard. We have APIs, so a customer uh, that has their own dashboarding could use our APIs. And then also, um, you can you can uh, get email digests from that same information. So if you choose to not log in every day to your dashboard, you can actually choose daily, weekly, monthly um, uh, email updates. So you can do it that way. Digests. Yeah. Nice. Brett, so you mentioned uh, when you started some of the new features that ha- have been implemented. I-, I know ActiveIQ has a pretty rapid development cycle. Maybe you could start with you know, t- mentioning how frequently these feature- new features get implemented and then maybe go into uh, some of the features that have been added in the last you know six months or a year or whatever. Yeah, so we have a very uh, rapid development cycle. Um, we actually do uh, monthly big releases, and then we do more wow. often little little releases. Um, it helps to have a, a big team, and the team is split up via different focus areas, so the different teams um, roll things out as needed. Um, but yeah, we do major releases every month, um, and we have to do releases um, to support things like um, every time the quoting tool is updated, we have to do releases anytime new hardware is released. And remember, we support all new all hardware. The, yeah. So we HCI, we support E-Series, we support. Um, so there's just a lot of releases. But um, So let me talk about some of the big new features that are relatively recent. One of the things is we've always had a risk dashboard with your risks, and that's been one of the core features for a long time. Um, but one of the new things that's there is we've gone do- through the risks and done machine learning and say, hey, let's look at all the systems in the field that have had problems, and not necessarily caused by storage. They could have problems because a lift gets flaky because they did a firmware update on their Cisco switch. I mean, it isn't necessarily a storage problem. And we actually we did some machine learning on that and looked at configurations that have problems, configurations that don't. And actually, we, we had all these risks, but w- what we did was we actually rated the probability of that happening. We looked at all your signatures, and then how probable is you having a problem based on our learning from other environments. And that's a new thing that's in the risk dashboard. So uh, a risk might be medium in that the impact is medium, but you could have a low probability of it happening or a high probability of it happening. So, so that's now there in the risk dashboard, and that's relatively new. One of the other major things is um, we rolled out an industry-first performance guarantee program. So the performance guarantee on an A800 is that 99% of the time you have a latency below half a millisecond. And that's um, and we have the same thing on an A700 with a one millisecond guarantee. And um, that's all well and good, but how do you monitor that? So the official place where, you, where the customer monitors that is the performance dashboard inside ActiveIQ. And so that's the official place of record where that's monitored. And if they don't hit a 99% uh, under their latency guarantee for their hardware configuration, um, then NetApp will, re- you know, will make them will give them hardware until they're made whole, until their latency yeah. does meet that guarantee. 500 microseconds? We're, we're, 500 microseconds guarantee. Well, <laughs> I mean, guarantees always sandbag. <laughs> that's true. What if I just don't do any work and my latency is always at like six milliseconds? <laughs> Other ops. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. Gotcha, uh, NetApp. Yeah. I'm not even using it. <laughs> yeah. 
The other thing is that you know we've had storage efficiency for a long time. Storage efficiency guarantee. We have a storage efficiency dashboard. One of the things I like about our storage efficiency dashboard is you can report at the whole customer level. So let's say my whole environment, here's my average storage efficiency. But you can do it by site. You can do it by cluster. You can do it by serial number. So you can break it down in any of those ways. You can only do only AFF systems or only not AFF systems. You know, most people really monitor their efficiency guarantees for their AFF systems. So you might want to exclude your non-AFF. And then the other thing is, there's always that debate: Do you count snapshots into storage efficiencies or not? NetApp customers have always thought of snapshots as free. You know, it's free money. It's free real estate. It's free. They're just free. But our competitors don't. Our competitors add in that efficiency gain into their numbers. So we actually have a button, a checkbox you turn on or off, whether in your numbers you include snapshots or not in the calculation. Yeah, I was I was always of the opinion be, before everybody could do snapshots, they, right. it's something we should talk about. But right. considering just about everybody can do uh, some some flavor of space efficient snapshots now, I, I don't think it's something that we need to. But when our competitors guarantee four to one, they include that. Well, yeah, you know, there are so. exceptions to that, yeah, yeah. And, and certainly when uh, you know our other three letter or four letter or <laughs> seven letter, if you combine them, um, <laughs> I know their four to one guarantee includes things like right. that, right. Exactly. Um, as well as thin provisioning, which is just right. absurd. And thin but, provisioning isn't savings at all. Yeah, <laughs> depends anyway. on how you look at it. Well, it depends how you look at it. <laughs> oh. What if your snapshots aren't very good? And do you want to talk about them? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good point. <laughs> I think everybody is pretty much doing them the same way now. Mm, there's one vendor that isn't that I'm Somebody's not going to name. Somebody's not very good out there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. Anyway. Continue. Um, the, one of the other new things that uh, that probably is news to you guys, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, is we have this thing called Expansion Advisor. So if you're running low on uh, capacity or even performance um, headroom, uh, we can actually recommend that you upgrade your space. Well, that's not very deep or difficult. But one of the things we've added is for HCI is our first target, and then we're moving over to AFF shortly, is we're actually going to um, say, here's what we recommend you get to fix your issue, you know, the exact configuration, you know, a shelf with this, blah, 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 whatever it is, and contact your sales team of record or partner of record and say, this customer would like to expand, and here's what they want, <laughs> and here you go. Basically, we're trying to put it on a plate to make it easy for everyone. Yeah, you know? is this like a, some sort of forecasting or like trending, showing based on the last six months of of data growth, this is when we you do. should expect to. Yep, we have checkbook. Yep, we have capacity trending right on the dashboard, and it shows you we predict you'll run out of space, and we give a estimated month or something. I, it's not an exact day. <laughs> I think it's like a month, but. And then we, we say, hey, would you like to run your expansion? Um, the other thing is that you can, from that same dashboard, go directly into the sizing tools if you're a partner. So if you're a partner looking at your system, you can go right into the sizing tools. It'll import your serial number with all your That's data awesome. right in our uh, pre-sale sizing tools. Oops, sorry. Um, so, yeah, so that I like that because I used to do a lot with pre-sale sizing tools and that, that oh, really yeah, just is saving us the problem saving saving the problem of having having to fill in the details exactly. That's exactly manually that's that's spectacular. Do you know how I know Brett did a lot with pre-sale sizing tools? I do because every time I got a question about pre-sale sizing well, tools, I asked Brett you forward it to me. <laughs> yes, that's how you know there's one more uh, there's one more interesting new feature that I actually um, would have loved as a customer is, we have a feature called Config Compare. 
uh, and it's really a way to make like a golden configuration. So if, if you think as a sysadmin, um, one of the things that you're always chasing is, are my options in ONTAP, the Etsy RC files, any other boot options, any of that stuff, um, all those um, sort of basic options of the system, you want to make sure they don't drift over time. So what you do is you can set a golden config. You say, these are, the, these are the options that are golden for my environment or a subset of your environment. You can group things. And then uh, so, so that way, if someone's in there mucking around with your etcrc file, uh, it'll alert you. It'll actually just – it will be completely silent as long as your golden config for all your systems hasn't drifted at all. But if something drifts, it'll, you'll get an email or an alert and also an alert in your dashboard that says, hey, uh, something drifted from your golden config. And one of the interesting things, um, so we, we rolled that out a few months ago. What we added last month was, what if you're a new customer? You don't even know, what should your sand timeouts be on your system? Or what, what should your failover options be or whatever? You don't know. You can actually set your golden config to um, the community wisdom, meaning the best, um, the, the, the configuration options of the systems that have the best uptime, that have the best record of not having support cases. Wouldn't you want your defaults to be that by default you know so you Probably. can actually do that you can yeah. set your golden config to that if you want to can this golden config can that uh i know being a former admin uh one of the things that i would be pedantic about no you pedantic no. never yes I, I put the dan in pedantic <laughs> you uh, also put the tick in pedantic <laughs> <laughs> so uh what about names like naming prefix uh prefixes for volumes or for luns mm. That's not in there today. That's a good one, though. So we used to have that in uh, DFM, like the golden config. I remember yep. this. Yep. Can we call I, it? Can I we call it movie? DFM. Movie the golden config? Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, funny. yes. Um, so yeah. So uh, you mentioned etcrc. What is that? Etcrc. That's your boot files. <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some, the, these settings that there are old timers among us. Well, actually, you know I, that's a great point. Actually, you know, because one of the great things about Active IQ is it doesn't just work on current on tap. I was just looking at a seven three system. Active IQ has been around forever, and it works on all versions of on tap. And you, I mean, you might be a big customer and have seven three in production today. You still want config compare, you know. So all almost all our features work um, on almost any version of on tap. So that's that's another great thing I forgot to mention. Can I replicate and apply configurations? So like if I have a replication that's a golden config, I can apply it to new systems? You can't. So we're thinking about that. It's the same thing. Um, currently, almost all communications is just a one-way outbound communications. You know, customers would be real sensitive to us sending instructions inbound. Yeah. Um, so we are thinking about how we do that. Um, that is something um, we've been noodling about, but... We don't have any of that. Today. Maybe you could just build a script, and then you could run the script when you need it, right? Right. So, actually, that's what we're thinking about doing. We're actually thinking about writing something like scripts or Ansible playbooks or or WFA or something. We don't we don't know in what form it'll take. It'll probably be that. We'll probably provide you some sort of Ansible playbook to to implement whatever it is you want. Yeah. Does this tie in with cloud volumes on tap or any of those things? It does, in fact. That's, that's some of our data fabric endpoints. Uh, not only does it tie in with those as far as reporting back, um, but um, Cloud Insights and ActiveIQ are, in essence, brethrens uh, in that we use the same uh, – we try to reuse the same analytics that we can between the two uh, tools. They are different tools. 
not the same code base, but we do try to reuse uh, as much as we can so we're not reinventing the wheel between them. But cloud instances can report back telemetry data, and it's reported in same same dashboards, same everything. Yeah, I can't tell you, by the way, how many customers over the years have told me they really want this configuration management capability in our in our management tools. So the fact that we've brought it into ActiveIQ is tremendous, tremendous. It's good. We finally listened to them. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We're all we are always listening. We are always listening. It's just a matter of time before we implement. So what else do we have, Brett? So that's all the brand new features. Um, I did want to say. Um, we have, um, I just want to talk a little bit about our vision. I'm not going to talk about roadmap, but I just want to say the vision for us is to implement more uh, things based on analytics and learnings, not just um, raw data reporting. Everything we're working on right now has a lot to do with analytics, and it has a lot to do with um, some of our other big initiatives of our customer self-service. Um, you know, customers have access to this. A lot of our previous features were for NetApp facing people, support personnel, sales personnel, whatever. We're trying to think more and more about how the customers can do uh, it, things for themselves so that, that things just happen automatically, things happen in the background, things happen that are customer initiated. So that's one of our big things. And um, the other things that, that we're working on is rolling out to other platforms. So most of our features are cross-platform. There are some that are more limited, like for example, the config stuff right now is only FAS, AFF, you know, on tap based and seven mode based systems. Um, we'll be rolling that out to all the different platforms. Almost all the features I talked about are all, already all the platforms, but we're trying to make sure that's universal. Same thing with mobile app. Um, mobile app presents most of the information we talked about today. There are a few exclusions. And then our big push is everything should have an API. So we have API today in beta, Customers and partners can have access to it today. Um, we have not rolled it out where it appears on everybody's dashboard. It's a really simple uh, API. Anyone can use it. You need a token. But besides that, it's super simple. Uh, even I can use it, and I'm not really a programmer. It's a simple API. And, and all the information we have today was available via the API, and we want people to uh, – big customers that have their own dashboarding should just be using our API um, they should be getting risks via API and capacity trending via API and performance issues via API. And that is um, a great way to derive value from ActiveIQ, even if you don't want to open a web browser and look every day. But I do encourage anyone hearing my voice on this podcast, please check it out. Go to activeiq.netapp.com. Log in with your support credentials. Check it out. It's not If you have not logged in in a year, you will be absolutely and completely shocked with what you see when you log in. So what if I'm not a customer and I really want to see this stuff in action? Do we have demos? We do. If you go to our support site as a guest, you can see videos uh, and demos. Um, so, so that is available. And uh, if you, you, in fact, aren't a customer and you want to see this, uh, please email me, bredda at netapp.com. I will be glad to do a one-on-one -on -one, uh, WebEx webinar with you to, to show you this if you want. Yeah, take him up on that offer early because he may not feel I, that way anymore. That's right. If I get a lot of emails, I might not. <laughs> so, so Brett, I, I don't know how much, uh, how close uh, you you and Kim are to the uh, data science part of this, but I do a little bit with uh, our AI, some of our AI customers, and I know one of the biggest challenges within AI for uh, companies is it's it's one thing to have the data 
It's another thing to be able to ask the right questions of the data. There's a lot of work and development that goes into developing algorithms to pull out the smart data. Um, so do you have any idea or can you speak at all to what NetApp does? How many people do we have working on that that side of the problem? Yeah. So I can do we see any improvement over time? Yep, I could talk to a little bit about that. About that. Uh, one is we have a partnership uh, with IBM. I'm, you're probably aware of that. We've been using the Watson, actually Elio, we call it um, uh, AI to do most of our a uh, most of the AI data mining mm -hmm. uh, work. We've been working with them as a partner, but we have our own data science people. So we have um, we have one uh, main data science person that has a team that reports up through him. Um, that's a technical director and. Um, they use a model where we use a system where we take um, three quarters of our data to train. Uh, so, so we put forth a hypothesis. Mm -hmm. A great example of this, I'll give you an example. So in uh, the Active IQ dashboard, we wanted to know how would I tell a customer that your workload or this system is better suited to a different platform? And how would I know that? So what we actually did was we took three quarters of our data and, and trained um, a machine learning algorithm to try to predict that. Who uh, I'm going to use an example of HCI. Um, we did this for all our platforms, but HCI is a simple example. So we looked at all the HCI customers and what do they have in common? What do they do? And, and a human being might guess certain things, but we wanted the machine learning algorithm to pick it up. And one of the things that I identified like eight characteristics of an HCI system, one of which was using highly automated tools to configure the compute and storage nodes. Mm -hmm. So for example, if we detect today um, that a FAS or AFF customer is using Ansible playbooks to configure their systems, in their dashboard, it will, in the tech the uh, discovery dashboard, there's a column that says what platform we think might be a good tech refresh opportunity for this platform. A lot of them are just, they're already on the right platform, so we don't recommend anything. But if we see that they're doing that, we would recommend, and there's seven other characteristics, which I won't go into, but we would recommend um, going to HCI for them because it seems like they're the type of customer that wants to highly automate things and they might be a good fit for HCI. Now, how did we double check that? So what we did was we had trained it on 75% of our data. So then we took 25% of our data, which remember is is hundreds of thousands of yeah, things. Yeah. And um, we actually ran it as a test, meaning I look for these eight properties and do I come out that they are an HCI customer? Do you know what I mean by that? Yep. So we actually do the three quarters, one third quarter model. So we have a set of things we want to train it on. We use three quarters of our data to train and we use the last quarter of our data to actually double check that that was actually the case or not. Because sometimes you think you have something and then when you double check it with with blind data, it doesn't pan out. But uh, so so everything we, every assertion we make with big data or machine learning, we actually try to do it that way. Awesome. So that, that's how we do it. Do we have uh, E-Series And we do. Recommendations? E-Series recommendation. Again, performance, there's E-Series spinning disk, E-Series flash, um, but also they have to be uh, you know, a, a block customer because uh, E-Series is 100% block. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other criteria like they can't be needing data replication and any of the other data management features. Mm -hmm. Snapshots is the other thing. Um, you know, if someone's extensively using snapshots, they're not a good fit for E-series. Yeah. Um, that would be a counterindicator, contraindicator. So what happens if I'm a customer and I don't want to turn on auto supports for whatever reason? Maybe I'm a confidential or secure customer, or maybe I just don't trust you. 
<laughs> how do I take advantage of Active IQ then? Well, have you ever met Kim? I mean, how could you not trust her? I mean, I try, I trust Kim, but I'm just saying implicitly, you know, do we do we trust companies? With oh, oh, do you? Tr- okay, I got it. Oh yeah, yeah. So I I, I think yeah. I think there's actually a, a few questions in there. So the first one is, if you are a truly dark site, um, how do you take advantage of this? So we, we have had some offerings in the past where you could actually deploy infrastructure on-prem to get this information. Um, honestly, today, that doesn't support all of the things that we're doing with ActiveIQ. But if you have that need, I would suggest reach out to one of the individuals on this call and talk to us about that need um, as it's something that we're exploring. Um, and then I think the second question is, if you're not really a dark site, but you just haven't turned it on, um, you can actually, it's a, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's essentially it's just a one-click enable to actually send this data back to NetApp. You do, in fact, have the option to send uh, only some of the data. So we'll scrub out certain things um, to give you a more private set of information that actually goes up into uh, our data lake. But um, so that's really the sort of the precursor to actually automatically getting all of this benefit from active IQ. Back in the, my support days when we'd have a secure customer and we wanted to get data from them. The cone of silence. They would they would fax it to us and redact things. Fax it to you. Fax us the data. That's, you're not making that up. Does right? active no. IQ support fax? <laughs> does not. It does not support fax. Facts there, don't matter. <laughs> there is a minimum, like Kim suggests, there is a minimal uh, active IQ where some of the, uh, some of the things are scrubbed. If you're a uh, if you're a relatively high security environment, but not like, you know, Department of Defense high security, the minimal uh, active IQ is for you. You can send them and it'll scrub host names and IP addresses and stuff. Um, there are things not scrubbed by that. So really high security sites like volume names are not scrubbed because that's how we report on stuff and aggregate names aren't scrubbed. So um, there are some subset of customers that that even minimal active IQ is not um, acceptable. But we... We highly recommend everybody turn it on. Um, Today, I think the current number is 81% of systems sold. uh, They do send active IQs on a weekly basis. There is some percent above the 81 that send it occasionally, meaning they don't have it sent all the time, but they'll send it on a one-off basis on support cases. I don't know what that number is. Um, So a little over 80% send it all the time, though. Is it possible for me to be a consumer of the data without being a provider? So, like, if I want to, say, use the golden configuration or I want to do the comparison of systems and seeing who's doing what, can I do that? So, um, we will know that you own a system, even if we have never gotten one because we get that from the sales data. So, you can compare against averages and things like that. Um, The thing is, there's... I'm just being honest. There's not a ton of value you can get out if you don't send your data in because we can't really tell what you're doing. So you can look at like um, industry. You can look at your industry averages and what other people have for storage efficiency, whatever. But since you won't have any data there, it, it, it's a minimal amount of value you derive from it. You 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 aren't prohibited from accessing it. Um, you just won't get a lot of information from it. Gotcha. Yeah, I had a, a question about. So if you were putting my admin hat back on, so I have many different sites. So I've got a data center in New York and one in North Carolina and one in California and and one in Bangalore. Um, What does my view look like when I log into ActiveIQ? That is a great question. So the default view is your whole company as an admin, the default view. Mm -hmm. But then you can – it does – 
automatically get grouped by site, and that is the site that the sale of record goes to, the shipping address of the sale. So okay. if you um, the so if you had purchase orders that went to Bangalore and purchase orders that went to different sites or whatever it is, um, they would automatically be grouped by site. Awesome. Um, so automatically. Plus, very, very, very recently, we just added um, a way to do arbitrary groupings of systems. Um, we never had that before because it's a little bit was tricky to implement. It's a long story. It doesn't matter. Um, but you now can say, no, I want to group these five systems together in a group called Dan's group. It doesn't matter. You can call it whatever you want. So you can do that and you can view those groups. The other thing is you can view it by cluster or view it by individual node. So you can search by the cluster ID or search by the node name and, and view it that way. So. Okay. So, um, well, that's interesting, the arbitrary. So if I had um, some a very large customer, I don't just willy-nilly put right. new versions of ONTAP into my production uh, environment. So I have a, a nice little test lab where I uh, simulate my, my applications, and that's where I do all my new, new versions of ONTAP. Yep evaluation, I can uh, I can arbitrarily designate those systems as being this test environment. You can. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the arbitrary groups um, for partners actually also work that way. So you could conceivably have a group that crosses end company lines. If you are a partner that sold to multiple customers, you could conceivably – it's just an arbitrary group. You could put any serial yeah. numbers and host names you wanted into the group. So, yes, yeah, so you could do that. Awesome. Guys, since we're talking about global sites, what if I have uh, some users in Japan or China? We have some, some interesting things we've done for them, right? Oh, that's great. Yes. So until very recently, um, the ActiveIQ site on web or mobile was English only. But we've localized to both um, simplified Chinese and Japanese um, in the last – I think it's been a year ago now approximately that we did that. So we have them – um, um, well, it's the ActiveIQ site itself is globalized, and then we have done the effort to actually localize into uh, both simplified Chinese and Japanese. So that's pretty uh, useful for those geographies. I will say, remember, the most common way to use this is a web portal, and the web portal itself, although it's not perfect, can be browser localized. It's not perfect, but you know what I mean. You can you um, if you if you needed to, you can do that in a pinch. It's not great. But for for Chinese and Japanese, we have spent a lot of time and effort to make sure every single thing on our site is properly localized to those languages so they make sense. And it's not um, it's not the poor auto translation. It's a human being that you know went through and actually did the work to translate it properly. Now, we're uh, coming up with new versions every month. Are the yes. the translated ones also? Yeah, the great part about ActiveIQ is the web and mobile have a framework, but the data within it is literally, I mean, daily updated because it's there's there's once there's a, a terabyte flowing in right as I speak this word right now. So so yeah, so but the great part is is that um, the raw data comes in localized anyway because it's whatever language is on the system that's running. It doesn't gets translated on the way in anyway. So so that's the content itself is not a problem, and every update is localized with the with Chinese and Japanese. Yes. Cool. So we do inline translation? Not inline, <laughs> no. Rather, we don't Post translate. Process. We keep it whatever language is on the system itself. Yeah. So. Excellent. That's good. We've, we've considered that there are other languages than English out there. So. Yes. <laughs> That's important. Um, so uh, what else do we have? Is there anything uh, that we can look forward to or you know, any other features that we haven't covered yet? 
So those are those are the main features I'm authorized to talk about. We have a lot in the pipeline, um, but we don't want to talk about things too far in the future. But I am super excited about what the future is going to bring because there are a bunch of great new features that are coming um, that I can't really even tease because they're further than three months in the future. But uh, they're... Uh, Active IQ is just uh, when I say we do a major release each month, I literally mean we're doing a major release each month. There is at least one new feature on the dashboard every single month, and so I just I, the the uh, the amount of roadmap lined up uh, for the next few months is just amazing to me. And and so please keep logging into your Active IQ dashboard, and you'll never know. Well, you'll know what you see if you keep listening to me and my webinars, but. If you don't, then you'll never know what you'll see. You'll see a new tab and say, why does this say hosts now? Or why does this say config compare? Or why does this say uh, APIs now? You know. So, so what are these webinars you're talking about? So um, we try to keep people trained. Um, and we are going to be doing some standing webinars focused on groups of people. So when I say focused on people, I mean um, we're, we're going to be doing a, a series of webinars only for partners a series of webinars only for, for end customers and a series of web, webinars for internal NetApp people. And those are going to be announced. So if you're a partner, you will eventually get an email from your technical partner manager saying, you know, come to this webinar um, in this future date. So uh, same thing with customers. So, so look for those. Um, you'll see emails on that coming soon. Are you doing monthly webinars? They're not monthly standing webinars. They've been doing, we've only been doing one, um, ad hoc scheduled ones. Um, we have been thinking about doing a monthly sort of come and ask questions sort of thing. Um, so I think we might start doing that in the near future. Like a Reddit AMA? Right. Because <laughs> the thing is, if you have a standing one, if you, if you know that on a certain date and time, there's always going to be there, then then you might come up with some questions you want, want to ask and, and attend. So At the very least, a blog every month would that be That would be good. Yeah. So setting it up on blog.nm.com and yep. having like, hey, here's what's new this month. Because I, I know from doing a podcast perspective, like doing a re something every month like that. I mean, I do podcasts every week, but it's different topics. But if I was doing a, a webinar every month on that, that would that would get overwhelming, I think. Yeah, and uh, just so you know, um, there is an Active IQ blog. I I'm remiss because I don't remember where it's hosted right now, but I do know what the next blog post is going to be about because it's about me. Oh, really? And if you want to see a picture of my <laughs> my wife and granddaughter, then you can you can you can you can. Just like the the, the here's our new guy. Yes, it's the here's our new guy blog post. Yes, he likes that's long exactly walks on the beach that's and candlelit right. dinners. That's exact. How did you know? That's what I said. That's what you just look like the kind of guy that likes that stuff. <laughs> <sighs> Who likes dinner? I think one thing I would add: a lot of our partners and customers do have non-disclosure agreements with us, and we're in the habit of doing you know, roadmap discussions. That uh, if you can't wait <laughs> to read it on the blog or, or see it actually on the Active IQ site, uh, we actually are in a position to to actually show you what that roadmap is as part of one one of those non disclosure discussions. So hopefully everyone on the call would know who their their resources for that either at NetApp or their partner. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, we have a roadmap and we can discuss it, but not on this format. We need NDAs, et cetera. So, please oh, so I can't just email you and say, hey, you Brett, tell say, me what's new. Tell send, me all the new stuff. Send me the one-year roadmap. I think the one thing we never said was, how much does all this amazing things cost? I mean, how much does this amazingness cost? Well, I just me? took oh, it for granted because I work here. It's, it's yeah. got to be thousands. One it's be a million license. dollars. Thousands of dollars It's year, per controller millions per controller. Oh, no, it's completely included in your support contract. What? Completely. What if I don't have a support contract? Do I just not get access? You, 
Well, actually, you don't get access because hey. you, you wouldn't get a login to the support site then, oh. I guess. It's like one of, the, one of the benefits of getting a support contract. Yeah, there you go. Can I buy it ad hoc if I just want the active IQ, but I don't want the, all the support contract? Let's say I've got this like FAS 250 outlaying out there that I'm like. Believe it or not, you cannot buy it ad hoc. Oh, Believe it or bad. not. That's Can I get great... it on eBay? Yeah, that's right. Can eBay. I get unlock codes? That's right. Easter eggs? <laughs> so there's no, there's no license or anything? There is required. no license. It is just included in your active support contract. So you keep support and you have access to it. Awesome. Excellent. Kim, got anything else for us? No, this is tremendous. Thank you for all this great information for the audience. All right. So lots of great stuff in ActiveIQ, stuff I had never learned about, stuff that's coming up. So Kim, Brett, thanks for joining us today. Kim, again, if we want to reach you, how do we do that? Yeah, you can reach me. Probably email's best, weller at netop.com. My Twitter is weller underscore Kim. All right. And Brett? I like Brett A at netapp.com. Two T's, which is the correct way to spell Brett. All right. Bretta. Bretta. And Dan Isaacs, how do we reach you? Oh, you can reach me on the Twitter, at Dan Isaacs. Dan actually uses his Twitters. I do. He does. So, yeah, if you want to hit him up there. Unlike some people in this call. <clears throat> Kim. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank our guest host, Dan Isaacs, for joining us today, as well as Brett Albertson and Kim Weller. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.